Right Kindergarten Parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids and your host this month. How do you see the role screens play in your child's life? Do you see them as a valuable source of learning and entertainment for your child? Or do you see them as mostly a negative, a powerful drug that holds your child in thrall? Or somewhere in between? Today, we're going to check in on what research says about the impact of screens, the good and the bad, a review for those of you who listened to the Screens Together audio briefing several years ago. Then I'm going to propose a fresh way of thinking about screens that will help you tap into the best of what screens have to offer and avoid the worst. I call this approach screen weaving because it involves weaving screens into real world experiences in enriching ways. Just before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the average American child between the age of five and eight years old was spending just over three hours per day with screens, not including time in school. Two thirds of this time was being spent watching video, primarily streaming services like YouTube and Hulu, increasingly on mobile devices. Most of the rest was being spent playing games on mobile devices, consoles, and computers. No doubt, these numbers grew during the pandemic. Most scientists and medical professionals who study the impact of media on children would say this is too much time. For example, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that parents limit screen use to no more than one hour per day. Researchers and medical professionals make this recommendation because of a variety of risks that screens pose to children's health and well-being. For starters, when used soon before bedtime, screens make it harder for children to sleep. Their blue light suppresses melatonin, a hormone important for sleep, while the excitement that typically comes with screens releases cortisol, a stress hormone that amps the body up. Given the importance of sleep, experts recommend that everyone stay away from screens for at least one hour before bedtime, and that screens stay out of children's bedrooms. Then there are the concerns about the impact of screens on children's weight and aggression. Sedentary time spent with screens is time not spent running around. Interestingly, when it comes to violence in screen media, research suggests that the most likely impact is not to trigger more aggressive behavior, but rather higher levels of general fear and anxiety, as well as desensitization to the suffering of others. Finally, plenty of people are concerned about the impact of screens on children's executive function and mental health. Many teachers and parents say that children's capacity to focus has declined in the age of the iPhone as children become habituated to constant stimulation and get bored quickly if they're not getting it. And while the evidence is spotty thus far, researchers like Nicholas Cardaras, a psychologist who studies addiction, makes the case that screen time is correlated with disorders like ADHD, addiction, anxiety, and depression. Hearing all these concerns, you might be tempted to say, no screens for your child at all. You might reasonably conclude that, as technology and entrepreneur and parent Chris Anderson told the New York Times, on the scale between candy and crack cocaine, screens are closer to crack cocaine. Getting rid of screens in your child's life might seem like the surest way to avoid ending up with a sleep-deprived, clinically depressed, overweight teenager. I don't recommend this approach, though. For starters, it's probably not realistic. Unless you go to extreme measures, your child is going to be exposed to screens in other people's homes and likely at school too. 
Equally important, screens have their good side as well as their challenging side. They can be a vehicle for connection with faraway relatives, a source of information that feeds a budding curiosity, and a powerful tool for creative expression, not to mention a source of high-quality education and entertainment. Moreover, as your child grows up, they're eventually going to need to figure out how to deal with screens. It makes sense to help them learn how to use them well when they're young, so that they'll be prepared to manage them on their own as they get older. Indeed, research shows that children whose parents focus on limiting screen time rather than teaching responsible use are more likely to use them irresponsibly when they get access to them later. So how should you think about screens in your child's life? What should your child be doing on screens, and what should they not be doing? How do you get the benefits of screens while avoiding the downsides? Kindergarten parents, I want to propose that you think of screens as a useful tool in your child's and family's life, but one that you pull out for specific purposes at specific times, not one that is ever-present in the environment of your home for your child to access whenever they want. This approach has two major advantages for kindergarten-age kids. First, by restricting screens to particular moments, you give your child the gift of more time to interact face-to-face -face with other human beings in the 3D world. Children benefit enormously from the social and emotional growth that comes with real-life conversation, real-world tootling around, and live play with peers and adults. Screens floating around in your child's environment distract your child from these essential activities. Ultimately, the skills your child will develop as they interact with other humans in real life will serve them well when it later comes time for them to take responsibility for managing screens in their own life. Second, when you control the time and conditions under which screens are used in your home, you have the opportunity to shape your child's relationship with screens in ways that will serve them well in the long run. You can train them to view screens as primarily for connecting, learning, and creating three activities that will enrich your child and your family's life and that screens are well suited to support. You can show them how screens can be woven into their real life in valuable ways. Let's consider these three purposes one at a time, discussing how and when you might pull out screens to help. Let's start with connecting. If you are one of the 50% of American families that does not build around two married parents on their first marriage, or if you live far away from grandparents, you probably already use video to help your child connect with loved ones. Video may not be as good as being there, but it's better than voice only. And any tool that enhances connections among people is valuable. Your child is probably too young for their own email account, but they can help you write simple emails to relatives, learning a bit about email in the process. Explain how you use email and let them help you choose a photo or two to include in a message. Show them the message that comes back and read it out loud to them. By sharing email in this way, you're giving them another reason to learn to read. Another idea. Show your child how the internet can be used to express appreciation when people do something valuable for us. Go to Yelp or a similar site and leave a review for a favorite restaurant. Let your child lead the way to develop the message, and you lead the way on typing. Or you can leave a review of a children's book on Amazon, Goodreads, or another book-oriented site. Show your child how people read reviews to help them decide what books to buy. Explain that sharing your enthusiasm for a favorite book could influence others to buy it. You could do the same with a favorite movie. And we can't forget videos and movies. 
You likely allow your child to watch them on screens, and that's great as long as the content is reasonably age-appropriate and you're limiting them to a few hours per week. You also want to always remember the value of connecting around what your child is watching. Watch with your child when you can, and when you can't, do your best to ask questions and start conversations. Movies and shows about emotionally resonant topics are fabulous triggers for conversation. However, you want to pay close attention to how your child reacts to different kinds of content. Children differ enormously in their sensitivity levels and triggers. A documentary that shows a lion capturing a gazelle may be fascinating to some six-year-olds and traumatizing for others. Even seemingly innocuous movies and videos can have elements that are frightening to young children. Okay, that's enough on our first purpose, communicating. Now let's turn our attention to the second of the three purposes we want to enlist screens for, learning. For starters, there's plenty of evidence that high-quality educational TV programs help kindergartners learn. Shows like Sesame Street and Daniel Tiger help children learn language skills and develop social-emotional skills. The benefits grow when you watch together with your child, or at least have enough awareness of the content so that you can ask questions and discuss themes afterwards. In addition, when you and your child are having a conversation and you encounter a question that neither of you knows the answer to, you may want to pull out your phone and look for the answer together with your child. What is our question exactly? You might ask your child and together you could come up with the search terms. Show your child what you're doing. Then discuss what comes back. Hmm, we could look at Wikipedia or the Discovery Channel. I think that the Discovery Channel will have the best information about sharks. Talk to your child about the process you go through to find good information, and then decide together whether the information you find answers the question. In addition, YouTube can be a wonderful source of inspiration and learning for kindergartners. For example, you could look for a video that teaches you how to speak with a particular kind of accent that your child has encountered in a movie, or that explains a scientific topic that your child has expressed interest in. Once again, you're bringing screen technology into play to enrich their real-world life. At this age, I recommend you do all this together with your child. They are too young to be cruising around YouTube on their own. Of course, you don't always want to interrupt what you're doing to look up information. The flow of the conversation will often be more important. But when you do this sometimes, you're teaching your child that screens are good for answering questions. And you're introducing the idea that you might have to look around a bit to find good information, and not everything you see on the internet is accurate or helpful. Let's take a moment to consider apps and games that might be called educational. This topic is fraught in my view. Learning games can be a powerful aid to learning, but they can also be poor quality, overwhelming, and or addictive. How should you think about the role of screen-based apps and games in the life of your kindergartner? Michael Carter is my go-to on this question. Once an advisor to Steve Jobs and now an advisor to leading game designers around the world, Michael knows an enormous amount about how people learn and how technology can help. First and foremost, Michael told me, look for games that engage your child. Are they motivated to keep playing? Second, he said, look for games that prompt questions and exploration back in the real world. You want the game to pique their curiosity, he told me. You want your child to all of a sudden realize they want to know something more. PBS Kids and Khan Academy are great places to find learning games and apps for kids, and Common Sense Media offers a comprehensive guide to hundreds of other options. Carefully selected YouTube videos and podcasts can also be sources of inspiration for kids, 
and Common Sense Media also curates lists of the best of these. Keep in mind, though, that no kind of learning is better than face-to-face, -face, or, as Michael Carter says, no technology is better than a lap. Conversation is the best way to learn. Technology is most useful when human interaction is not possible, or to do things people generally can't do in the 3D world, like visiting Antarctica for a few minutes, or looking down on the world from the vantage point of a bird. Not motivated to spend time brokering and supervising your child's use of screen media? No worries. Your child does not need it at this age. As the psychologist Nicholas Carduris writes, there is not one credible research study that shows that a child exposed to more technology earlier in life has better educational outcomes than a tech-free kid. All right, we've covered how we can use screens for our first two purposes, communicating and learning. Now let's turn our attention to the third and final targeted purpose, creating. Anya Kamenetz, the author of the book, The Art of Screen Time, recommends that parents consider how digital media can be used as an accessory to make kids' creative play richer and more satisfying. For example, with a child who loves playing dress-up, you could go online together to explore different kinds of clothes worn by people in different parts of the world. Bonus if you have a globe nearby and can point to the region of the world you're talking about. Then, encourage your child to create new dress-ups based on the designs you've seen. The screen is not the central focus, rather it's an accessory which enriches real-life play. Some apps offer kids the opportunity to design their own world. Michael Carter, the learning games guru, recommends games and apps by a company called Tokoboka because they allow children to manipulate a virtual world in delightful and creative ways. For example, the Toka Life Neighborhood app allows kids to explore an apartment building, a design store, and a high-tech diner with a robot smoothie maker. Children can pick up and rearrange thousands of items as well as record a virtual puppet show. Children's museums are a great place to go for creative inspiration. Can't get to the building? Check out the museum's social media account to get a glimpse of exhibits and get ideas for projects you might do at home. If your child creates something inspired by a museum exhibit or a posting, consider taking a photo and sharing on social media, tagging the museum. Show your child what you're doing so they can see how screens can be used as a tool for inspiration and connection. Another option. Introduce your child to Scratch Junior, a simple programming experience available in a free app for Apple or Android devices. Designed by researchers at Tufts and MIT, specifically for children 5 to 7 years old, Scratch Junior provides a fun and intuitive way for children to create a game or short sequence of visual effects, learning basic principles of programming along the way. All right, let's look back on where we've come today. After a quick discussion of the potential dangers of screens, we turned our attention to what role they should play in your child and family's life. We postulated that screens are a valuable tool, but one that you should pull out for specific purposes at specific times, not one that is ever-present in the environment of your home. By restricting screens to particular moments, you give your child the gift of more time to interact face-to-face -face with other human beings in the 3D world, which is what they need most of all. In addition, when you control the time and conditions under which screens are used in your home, you can socialize them to view screens as primarily for connecting, learning, and creating, three activities that will enrich your child's life. I call this approach screen weaving because you're showing your child how to weave screens into the real world in enriching ways. With screen weaving, the real world comes first.
While you may have other rules to help your child and family set parameters for screen use, the most important one is people before screens. That's what you say if your child is getting lost in screens and you need them to return their attention to the real world. Remember, people before screens. And that's what you want your child to say to you in case you get lost in your own screen. Remember, mom or dad, people before screens. Mm -hmm.